Welcome to HR in the Car with Miriam Duchesne and Tom Shin of Alant Workforce Solutions, where exciting HR professionals and business leaders share laughter, insider stories, and maybe even a few tears about HR in today's world. Buckle up for the best half hour of your week. I'm really excited to have Amy Roman on the show today. It's been a long time since our first interaction. I want to say she and I met through SCDC six, seven years ago. Oh, wow. You've known her that long. Yeah. Okay. And so she has so much knowledge and she's one of those people, like the first time I met her, I'm like, I'm scared of her. Because <laughs> 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 she was so knowledgeable and so confident about all things accounting and running businesses and yeah. just the, the amount of information that was coming out in this conversation was just mind blowing. I'm like, I'm intimidated. But then she reached out to me to grab coffee. I'm like, all right. I, I feel okay now. And ever since then, we've had a great relationship and it's going to be an enjoying, converse, uh, fun conversation to have her on and learn about, you know, both she talked about her dogs and how she got her start. So Yeah, it's a great conversation and I, I'm excited for everybody to hear it. So let's listen in. So I want to welcome Amy Roman to HR in the Car. Thanks for joining us today, Amy. Thank you very much for having me. We're so excited. I know you and I have known each other for a bunch of years now, and it seems like, I I said this on one of the other episodes, the pandemic just kind of sped things along as like a time warp. It it is a time warp. Mm -hmm. It's pre-pandemic, post-pandemic is how so many people refer to stuff. And it's true. Absolutely. Different worlds. Different. So many things changed. So many things. Absolutely. So Amy... For those that don't know, Amy runs and owns CEFO Advisors out of Saratoga Springs, and we'd love to let you talk about how you started that, what was the reasoning or the passion behind that, and where you got to from, or how you've gotten to hear from there. Thank you. That That's a great question. Uh, I worked in New York City for 20 years as a senior financial professional for different kinds of companies. The last 10 actually were for companies owned by private equity firms. The entire time I was working as a senior financial professional, I found myself only utilizing my CFO brain 10 to 15% of the time. So as a CFO, I'm also managing HR, I'm managing, you know, the the accounting teams. And even in larger companies, I was doing, you know, filling in wherever you have to fill in. And then the CFO part is always the first part that gets tackled, but there's so many other things that also have to get tackled. So when I moved back here 10 years ago, I realized, you know what, there's an opportunity for me to be a CFO for a lot of small companies or many small companies because I could compartmentalize each company and just use my CFO thinking power Mm-hmm. Um, to help them. And there was, there'd be no downtime. Whereas when you're working for a regular company, you know, there's cooler talk, there's, you know, come in and complain, you know, complain <laughs> to the CFO talk kind of stuff. And we don't really have that anymore. And and so we're very effective and efficient that way. And I, I think that's the one thing I really, really love about what we do is that we're effective and efficient. Right, but I think it, one of the things that's um, super interesting about your business, Amy, is it's C-E-F-O. Yes. So it's not just CFO. Right. It's including that chief executive officer mindset combined with that chief financial officer mindset, where a lot of times that's lacking in some way or the other. Sometimes it's the CEO side for a small business. Sometimes it's the CFO side 
for that business. Sometimes it's both. Right. Because um, a lot of times, you know, I would imagine you're working with a lot of business owners that are visionaries or they're really good at their business. But, you know, you see those commercials on TV where if I just look at those invoices long enough, maybe they'll just disappear. And it's, you know, <laughs> that part still has to happen. So talk a little bit about when you're working with a variety of businesses and we just talked, you know, offline, basically you are working with CanCode Communities, which yes. is an organization that's very important to me. I'm on the board and they have a complex nonprofit accounting, not system, but how they have to do things Correct. because of the grants yeah. and the restricted funds and this and that. And it makes my head spin because I'm sure there's like way too many spreadsheets for someone like me. So, but talk a little bit about that and talk about the, the combining of both of those together because that does differentiate you from others that might just be performing accounting functions in the marketplace. Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting about what we do is that our CFOs are not just, they're not accountants. They're, I mean, they are accountants, but they're yeah. not just accountants. They're not just the number cruncher. They, you remember in the old days with the things on their, the sleeve holders and the abacuses and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the visor. The visor, <laughs> well, yeah. I think of the visor and, and the, the, the tapping away on the, yeah. my my best friend's an accountant and she can move on a, one of those, what do they call the big Ten key? Yeah. Holy cow. We were taught to do that. Yeah, yeah. Ann Keynes <laughs> from UKW made us foot the phone, phone book when we were interns. What we the had heck does that foot, mean? That means we had to add up the phone numbers. We had to 10 key the phone no numbers, yeah. Way. That was like the first thing we had to do when we started at UKW back in the day. Shut up. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I've heard, of, I've heard of salespeople opening the phone book and just starting to call people, but I've never heard <laughs> of using it book. for training. <laughs> well, what's for funny accounting. now is you run into folks coming into the workforce and you show them one of those keyboards that has the 10, just because they're just used to laptops at this point. Yeah. Like, what you is show that? them the 10 key, they're like, what, do you, what, what yeah. is this madness? Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, no. You know, and I'm used yeah. I took typing. That classes, used to be one of my superpowers back in the day because I loved going really fast and being accurate, right? And, and I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> Because it's, it's ooh, I'd love to see you in action. <laughs> I'd like to make the, the, the tape move and hear it. Yeah, right? yeah. It's kind of like the old typewriter. You hit the swing arm and it goes ding and but off that's, you go. That's, you know, that's, that's the past and that was very cutting edge back then. But now things have changed so much. So our CFOs are operationally, they have an operational mindset. Yep. They're not just focused on, you know, gap, generally accepted yep. accounting principles, but they're, they're understanding first and foremost, what is the operation? How does it work? Can code, whether it's can code or any one of our other clients, yep. profit or nonprofit and how, what's the best way to manage the business and bring in accounting? Because accounting should not dictate business rules it should support business rules. Ah, yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And and so uh, very often I see accountants who are kind of new in the workforce or who have always been accountants not understand that difference, mm -hmm. right? So you mm -hmm. really have to get to know the business. And my people, my CFOs, that's the first thing they do is they understand the business. And because of that, they can do a really great job making changes and bringing efficiencies to all the organizations that we support. Gotcha. I want to tell you where our logo and our name came from though. Oh yes. Because this is, really oh. A, this is really a great story. So uh, one of our clients, Casey Tamasian, who is the CEO of Hometown Healthcare in Clifton Park. Yes. Mm -hmm. Great, great company. Mm -hmm. When I first started bringing on staff 
after I had gone and, and finished with the solopreneur yep. and realized mm-hmm. I needed to build some depth, said to Teresa Agresta, who was doing our marketing at that time from Allegory Studios and Culture Talk, yep. said to her that Amy does a really great job bridging the CEO and the CFO. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's where CEFO came from. Was mm-hmm. was Casey's comment about how we bring, how I was able to bring together those mindsets and really get everybody to communicate on this on a level playing field and understand, you know, what we're all talking about. Gotcha. And you just reminded me with the culture talk, and one of the things that you do as you're onboarding a new client is you put them through the culture talk program so that, well, I'll let you explain it, but I just, there's not a lot of organizations out there that, you know, especially in like, you know, plain language, number crunching type industry would say, before we take you as a client, we have to do this first. So talk, talk about culture talk and how that helps you get to know a business and align yourself with those businesses. Um, I believe in culture talk wholeheartedly and I've seen it work and I've seen when it, when you're not using it, it fails mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. for our business. So everyone that comes to work for CEFO has to do a culture talk assessment because we use that information to build teams. I use the culture talk assessment, the archetypes, and Tom, you, you've yep. been, you're, you're certified as well. Mm-hmm. I use the archetypes to understand and build teams. Yep. And it's all about how they communicate with each other. There's certain archetypes that won't work well together. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. So yeah, it's more work. It's more work. And it's culture talk kind of takes away the confrontational conversations. When you bring it down, if you're struggling with someone and you bring it down to their archetypes and you start understanding what motivates them on their best day and on their worst day, you can then take that information together and have a comfortable conversation about it. And eventually you'll start laughing about it because it takes all that uncomfortableness away. And so we use that with our clients. When I onboard a new client, I make everyone that works with us take the culture talk assessment. And I use that information on our write-up for our initial client write-up to to say why I feel that this is a good client and why I feel that the team that's assigned to this client is going to work. Now, I will be honest and tell you that uh, for a little while, I allowed that to stray. Mm. We hired a, a director of operations and she was trying to change the organization in a way that would make it more efficient and make you know make the workload better streamed across the organization. Okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we got away from putting, using that culture talk process in a couple of our situations. And in each one of those situations, I had to make staffing changes. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it's good because it proved that. Right. Well, you don't learn that lesson without breaking from correct. it. Not that you had to, but you did. And here's the case study of why I need to continue doing it how I was doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we had we had someone that needed to be put into clients to start working. They kind of fit in a selective box because of their archetypes and because of their skill set. Excellent accountant, you know, wonderful person. But I knew when we went to put them in a couple of different clients that they probably wouldn't work out really well. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what happened. And when I allow myself to to veer from 
that program, we have less positive results. Right. Well, when we talk about with our clients in terms of what's the learning curve, how quickly do you need this person to ramp up? Because there's that base level skill, but there's that people component, the soft skills we talk about quite a bit. But that's a key element is if you're too far off on those archetypes, there's a lot more legwork invested. It can be done, but it's kind of the oil and water kind of thing. It is. They, they mm-hmm. don't, you've got to keep blending it and keep paying more attention to it. And does the hiring manager have that energy and time to spend there? Well, in there, you know, there may be some really good accountants out there, but when they have very strong archetypes and in combination, they sometimes the lack that there. flexibility. They lack the empathy that is so critical in my business. Mm-hmm. To be very successful in this business, you have to be empathetic. Every single one of our CFOs and controllers have to have a level of empathy that speaks to their clients because being a CEO is hard. Yes. You know that yes. <laughs> from experience, right? <laughs> and there are days where you just, it's, it's just beyond you, right? Because yeah. you're dealing with so many different things. It's so much better when you have somebody that can relate to what you're talking about and has that empathetic nature about them where they can talk to you about, you know, different solutions yeah. and, mm-hmm. and helping you through that. And I hire for empathy when we hire we look for that person who's empathetic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny. And, you know, it's interesting about that, Amy, is, you know, we we all have stereotypes in our brains on accountants, on software developers, on engineers, on salespeople, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And um, that's not the right way to think about all of these roles and those positions and the people who fit into them. And just because you're a, an accountant doesn't mean you don't have a personality and aren't empathetic to clients, to situations. And um, it just, again, goes to show where, you know, we're all in the people business. We where are all we, in the people you're, business. You focus on a skill set that relates to numbers, but you're still in the people business. Yes. So, yes. Um, yeah, common theme uh, Yeah, <laughs> for we us. bring that up in a lot of our conversations. And even after we do our recordings for each of these episodes, we're talking about it afterwards, either in the beginning or the end, or even just kind of walking out to the car afterwards. It, Absolutely. It, it constantly, it's finding that right max match of the people skill that's needed for the role to be successful. And it doesn't mean that they're not a good candidate for X, Y, and Z. It just means right. they have to be able to bend and shape Play-Doh. Right? right. Yeah. And you can Absolutely. smell Play-Doh now as I say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So before you started your business, you were in, you said you were a financial professional. Yes. So did you, did you go to school to be a financial professional? Is yes. that what you always wanted to do? Did you grow up going, I want to be playing with numbers and working on spreadsheets? I mean, tell us a little bit about well, that. you know, growing up in a Jewish household, you're, you have three choices. You become a doctor, a lawyer, or a CPA. Right? I, d- I actually didn't know that those were the rules, but okay. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that my dad would agree with me, but you know, we were pushed in a certain direction, right? And I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor because sitting at the dinner table all those nights listening to my parents talk about what went on was that that no was way. no mm-hmm. way no nope. <laughs> right so I, I was battling and trying to decide between being an attorney and an accountant and 
I was led by one of my freshman advisors mm. to go the accounting route because I started out mid-range and started out to be in management, in business management. Yep. And she saw promise and she just basically shifted me from business management to accounting. Ah. Um, but I had taken uh, accounting courses in high school also. And I love the fact that numbers just have to balance in accounting. There's they don't a, lie. Yeah. And there's they a don't. sense of, I hate that, by the way. <laughs> there's a sense of, there's a sense of accomplishment. Right. When your number, when your, when your debits and credits balance and your trial balance balances and, and nothing throws an accountant off more than when it doesn't. So, yeah, you know, so there it's, it's an easy, if you're, if you need that instant gratification, it's a great job, right. To yeah. start out with. Mm-hmm. And then I worked for UKW, which is now UHY yeah. for about five and a half, almost six years between Albany and and Manchester, Vermont. And then I came back to the area and I worked for a couple small companies as a controller and met my husband and moved to New Jersey within a year. Oh, wow. And started working in New York City. My father pretty much disowned me for a little while because, you know, you're a, you're a, a little Albany girl and what are you doing down in New York City? Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very old fashioned, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did it. You know, my husband would walk me to my office and pick me up and take me to the train for the first couple of years because he knew I was scared, you know, Aww. and... Um, and he was he was probably the rock of my success initially you know, mm-hmm. he was just there for me all the time and supporting me he would sit down at um, Mustang Sally's waiting for me wow. when i had to work late so oh he was drinking gosh. beer and <laughs> waiting for me and and uh, you know and I would come down at like seven o'clock at night and we'd have dinner and then we'd take the train home. And so it was fun. I mean, I've really enjoyed those early years. And then as I started to really progress within my career, I started to learn different things, realized I had a thirst and desire for M&A. So mm-hmm. I got involved in acquiring companies and selling companies I was working for and bringing on investments. And it was like really exciting to me. You know, it's like, when you're closing a deal, it's that rush you get, right? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, (laughs) right? Um, And so I got very involved in early on in in my career. I think I was around 30, 31, when I first did my first sale of a company. And I was like balls on fire because you can (laughs) can remove that. Um, (laughs) No, no, that's 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 stay it. Because you know, when you're in your early 30s, you don't have any fear, right? Right. You're like, I've got this, I can do this. And so I was negotiating with an acquirer. I was negotiating about EBITDA ad backs. It was my first time and I was learning this and I was flying with it. And it was such a rush. It really mm. was. And so then I knew I was where I needed to be. And I just kept increasing my skills and working in different types of companies, not really knowing where I was going to end up, but really loving the ride. And then when I moved back here 10 years ago, I was like, okay, I'm 50. What am I going to do? You know, <laughs> I have like the world is open to me, but well, at the time I thought no one wanted to hire a 50 year old accountant. And so I just, you know, went out on my own. I, mm-hmm. I jumped again and, and did it. You can and look where you are now. <laughs> but it, all the stuff that you just talked about, we've been talking in a couple episodes ago, we talked about L&D and that practice moment where folks get to try things out. But there's that element where 
Um, we talk, you know, you hear people talk about learned helplessness, but you learn, you know, how to talk successfully or how to speak successfully about what you were confident in, what you knew to be true and factual. And again, the numbers don't lie. It's, it's right or it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that confidence just builds and steamrolls and it puts you into the situation where you are now, where 10 years in, you're kind of sailing high and, and running your own ship and calling the shots and putting people but in good situations. I want to throw out there what she just said about no one wants to hire a 50-year-old accountant. And that was my perception. Is, that is your perception, but right. your perception was based on fact and reality of things you probably witnessed and experienced at other places. And so my argument to that is, is you're right. I'm not going to say you're not right on that because there are a lot of companies out there that are short-sighted and stupid. But what I'm trying to demonstrate is look at the talent that you, that you, Mr. Company, have now lost out mm. on because look at all the experience you could have brought to an organization. Look at all of the things that you're doing now that you rightfully so should be benefiting from and being extremely proud of. But I'm just there here to say that companies need to stop thinking that way and have a better mindset they, about they really experience. Do. And stop making assumptions about older generation or older veteran people in the workplace. They may not want what you think they want. They may not need what you think they need. Interview them, get to know them because a lot of times they are passing over great experienced it's true. people. It's Everybody true. wants something different at their point in life. There's, right. a, there's a common misconception about people my age that we don't know how to use computers. We don't know how to do yep. system integrations and implementations. Yep. And I will tell you today that I can run circles around anybody who's younger than I am in those areas Absolutely. and my team can too. I hire and look for people with experience. I look for people that have a lot of different experiences like I do that can bring that information together to best help our clients. Mm -hmm. And on the first meeting, they're sitting across from the CEO and they're already saying, let me ask you a question. What about, what about this? What about that? Well, have you thought about doing it this way? And so there's tidbits of information that we're constantly providing to our clients Absolutely. in every meeting. Absolutely. And it's because they have the, that background. And I'm blessed to have the staff that I have. We're now up to it on January 3rd, we'll be up to 20 again. Yeah, I know. Good number. I, I know. I know. It's like, oh, 20. That's a lot of people. <laughs> Thank God I, for Jen Massey and Ted. Oh, there you go. There you go. I mean, I know exactly how you feel. I, I feel that way too. So I want to flip the script a little bit because you've been in the business review. They've done some nice pieces on your business and, and a profile on you. And as we're talking right now, we have a special guest here with us. Mr. Paxton, who is a, an adorable and amazing, who just did downward doggy, um, <laughs> Corgi. And so I want you to talk a little bit about the dogs, only because I am a baby and I love animals more than people. And her voice changes when and, she talks yeah, I mean, to them. You saw as, so soon as, Pax, <laughs> as soon as Pax walked in, I was like, come here, baby, come see me. <laughs> but you, you now have five corgis. I do. So talk to me. I just, I think it's fun to talk about and learn other sides of people's personalities. And, you know, just, it's not all about Amy, the um, CEFO, owner, business operator, and financial professional. I want to learn a little bit more about like corgis. Okay. Paxton is our oldest. He's nine. He comes to work every day. Yes, he he's does. The, he's the only dog allowed in our building. Oh, wow. <laughs> I told uh, Mr. Ruin 
that right after COVID, I said, listen, I'm under some anxiety. There you go. And I need to bring my dog to work because on the days that he's in the office, I am much calmer and happier. And um, he and, is too. And so are all the... <laughs> so Tom is, is literally hanging out right now. <laughs> he goes, he actually goes uh, trick-or-treating yeah. in the different That's offices. <laughs> he either gets cookies, dog cookies, or he gets massages from um, the... the He's uh, no fool. From the, from the chiropractor. Yep. Um, they call him in. They love him. He has really lent like a comfort around the office, Ass. you know, mm-hmm. and, and he comes up to everybody. He's very friendly. He just, he's kind of the glue that's keeping us together through all of these tumultuous times, the COVID and the, and now the upcoming, you know, perceived recession and inflation and everything else. Yeah. He, uh, he keeps us um, focused. I love well, that. But I do so have neat. five in total. Yes. So we have I a baby. Yep. We have a little baby. Her name is Derby Rose. <laughs> She is uh, four Should and a half months. Should we race at the track? This, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know where the name came from, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, she is four and a half months and she's a bloomer also. She has blue oh, eyes. Beautiful, beautiful little girl and the sweetest dog I've ever met. And we have Fauci, Dr. Fauci. He mm-hmm. is our COVID dog. Shut up. Yep. And Brutus uh, is our camouflage dog. He's like got camouflage colors. He's also a, a Merle with, a tan, with tan points. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's Lola who is actually Paxton's sister from a different litter. So oh. they have the same parent, parentage. Oh, wow. Um, Her name was Lola. Yep. She and was she runs, a show girl. She runs the show. <laughs> that one. She is, yeah. So it's, it's quite the pack at my house. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Talk to us a little bit about, you just mentioned that you, did you say join the board for Wellspring? I did. I recently was asked to join the board for Wellspring. So I start January 1st. We had orientation. Maggie Franck is amazing. I mean, what she has done for that organization is incredible. The board is made up of a really incredible group of people and I'm so excited about, you know, being able to lend my experience. They've got the great new facility there they up do. in Malta oh. and they've done great things. They Wonderful. really have. They Wonderful. really have in there. And and their services are so needed. Yes. You know, and mm-hmm. she really I mean, I, I was sitting listening to her in awe. Um, mm. the other day and, and she just really is passionate and knows how to and bring there programs 20, 20 plus years, I think. Wow. Right. But it's, it's an amazing program. It's an amazing group. She's doing amazing work with that community of, of women in need who have, you know, yes. even, even women who have children trying to break away from abusive relationships, uh, and other situations that just yeah. can't do on their own. Yeah. And so and it's a safe haven. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And she, um, she finds them shelter. She finds, she finds them jobs. She finds them training. I mean, and it's not just she, it's she and her whole entire team, but yeah. it's an amazing, amazing place. And I urge everyone to go pay her a visit up in Malta at the new facility. They'll show you around um, and you can't help but but like be welcomed in and really, really like listen to the mission and and, and, and want to be involved. And want to be involved, exactly. Amazing. As we wrap up today, we ask all of our guests what is in their roadside assistance kit? What gets them through the day? So if you were to say, this is, this is my go-to in my roadside assistance kit, what would it be? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things get me through the day. Obviously, we know PAX is one of them. Mm-hmm. My team, 
my team at CEFO, these amazing people, I think are really my roadside assistance kit. Every single one of them is passionate about small business, is passionate about CEFO and what can we do better? What can we do more of and how can we help our clients? And that is so critical to me and where I am today in life and what I want to do with, you know, with the rest of my life, Um, turning 60 in February. Amazing. I know. It's Congratulations. It's just going by so fast. And I want to just continue to build the company and leave it in good shape when I do decide to leave. Well, I think you're doing an amazing job. Thank you. you are an amazing story. I'm so glad that you're in our region. And thank you so much for spending this time with us today. And of course, bringing packs so I could have a little snuggle in between so sessions. Cute. He's got his tongue just sort he's of hanging out. He's got his tongue hanging out. We will, oh have, we will have <laughs> lots of pictures on our, our show notes about Wellspring and the work that Amy's doing. And we have to include pictures of, of the pack. So please send okay. those to us. I and will. we'll get them I up will. because I don't know about you, but dog pictures and cat pictures are what I look at on the internet. So, and I can guarantee you, we'll get way more clicks if we've got <laughs> some dog pictures. So let's, 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 let's bring them on. So it's thanks, true. Amy. Thank, Thank you so you much. Thanks for, for having us. me. So which of the five dogs do you think would be your favorite between Lola and Brutus and Derby Rose and Paxton and Fauci? Well, I mean... You got to love a good Fauci, right? I mean, come on. He was like the COVID hero. In my mind, he's COVID hero. So Fauci's going to be on there. And then when she said he's on the couch, when he jumps on the couch, she calls him Fauci on the couch. That's awesome. But Lola, come on. I would be singing that song every day. As soon as she said Lola, I couldn't help but burst into song about, you know. I was waiting for the music to come around. I know. I know. But okay. So again, this is about people. Accounting is about people. Real estate's about people. I think technology the, is about people. Yeah, I think that's the big myth about accountants and folks in that financial industry is that they're so lockstep in what they do that they can't entertain anything else. They can't have conversation. And obviously, Amy's so chatty. You get talking to her and you yeah. get to know her and she has so much knowledge and wants to share and you can tell she cares about her people and what they think. Well, she does care about her people. No one implements something like culture talk in their organization and, oh, by the way, makes their clients go through it so that they can make a good match so that it's a successful relationship if they don't care. Mm-hmm. And so she's just a shining example of that. And I love her story. I love how her husband would wait for her outside the office in the city. That's just the, just like, I was like, oh Yeah, the Mustang Sally piece just made me laugh. But again, she was great conversation, lessons that we can all bring back to our offices and our day-to-day work. So she was great. Yep. So for more information about Amy Roman, you'll, you can read through the show notes on Alant.com. You'll learn about Fauci and the others and feel free to subscribe for future episodes of HR in the Car. And thanks for listening. 